welcome to Mad Beef, the Australian rollerblading podcast. We're talking with Ian Smith again about his personal history of rollerblading. And when we left this off last time, and people loved it, man, which is good. I think it came out really nice. I think you told the story well, and I think people are happy to hear. Yeah, good. Yeah, I, I think people are happy to hear because your story is, in a sense, for the Australians, our story. And, you know, in, in a, do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's someone telling the story from our point of view, um, and that's cool. And, and I think people appreciate that and not like hearing the names and the places. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. just, um, no, I, I think it, that... It's nice. I, I'm, I try not to, to name drop too much because uh, I don't want to miss anyone. Like, it just seems a shame because, you know, I see it from my perspective. And, um, yeah. you know, there were so many years of so many people. Um, yeah. But, yeah, understand, you know, this was, um, this was history and this is how it happened. And it's, you know, my little area. There'd be a totally different story for somebody who was living in Melbourne um, or yeah. you know, Perth and that sort of stuff. You know, they had their own um, their own fantastic you know stories and and problems that they had with that specific area. Um, but yeah, it's good. It's really good. And um, uh, what uh, what we left off with was Manly Blades um, yeah. uh, doing a, a demo, uh, you turning up, getting involved, and we kind of ended on that sort of dot, dot, dot to be continued. So is that enough of a launching pad for you to take us the next little step forward in the story? Yeah, yeah, cool. So, awesome. Um, yeah, that was, um, that was the, the sort of the launch into sort of legitimizing what I was doing. Because uh, up until that, it was just me skating around with my friends and nobody had ever really paid any attention to it. It was us going to, a, you know, the local skate shop and buying a couple of things and then, you know, disappearing off into the distance to go do what we were doing alone other than, you know, the public seeing us. And then um, having somebody who's, uh, who, you know, was this uh, business owner, um, almost a, a father figure, a Someone to a so this is Bill Vertucci, yeah. Yes, I am specifically yeah. talking about Bill. Yeah, um, and him sort of showing his appreciation for what we're doing, trying and helping and supporting us was just amazing. Um, yeah, that was sort of around the 1993, uh, coming up to 1994, and this is when you've got the the advent of rollerblading. This is when it really all began. Like we. We were just going out doing what we knew, which was copying skateboarding tricks and, um, you know, the occasional thing that we learned uh, on roller skates or something and just trying stuff that looked cool. And then um, 93 saw Airborne, the movie, come out. Um, so yep. we're like, Chris Edwards, this is amazing. This is a guy who is just worlds beyond anyone else. Um we could do a lots of the, the things that he was doing, but we were so rudimentary. Like it was, we were, like our style was nothing like what his was. His, uh, his amplitude and his velocity, just amazing. Um, and then 93, you also had Daily Bread starting. So you've got Arlo yep. and Angie Walton and uh, Jess Derenforth, uh all these guys getting together and, and creating, you know, this iconic skate magazine. It first came out then. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden we went from just trying whatever we thought to, hey, we've got something here that we can look at and we can emulate. Um, and we started, you know, with this grinding thing. We're like, yeah, cool, let's get some grind plates. 
So, um, you know, on the side of our Lightning TRS, we put some skateboard rails. And underneath in the middle wheels, we, you know, got slightly smaller wheels, stopped buying the, the 62 or 70 mil wheels, started getting down into the 50s, and um, put some metal plates underneath, usually H plates. Mm, gosh, they sounded good, didn't they? I mean, that's the thing, coming back and coming back and using kind of thick H block plastic things, just going, yep. just doesn't sound as good. It's, you don't have that. <laughs> it's that's what I love about new skates. Usually, is the slap yeah. noise and then the the scrape noise. And if you yeah. uh, you set your bolts upright, you can have your bolts touching. It sounds really mm. good. Um, but yeah, we we had something to copy. Mad Beef came out. Hail Mad yeah. Beef! I can't remember how many times I watched that video. Um, yeah. I'd, well, I mean, that was the thing. Like, with, I mean, you mentioned Airborne the movie, as in like the kind of the the kind of uh, exploitation movie, you know, but there was also In Dare way, to Air yeah. as well. Of course. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, but Dare to Air was still, you know, it was kind of Mad Beef and Hoax that gave that kind of the rollerblading take on a kind of skateboarding alternative culture, really. Like Dare to Air still felt like, yeah. you know, just kind of guys doing amazing things, but they didn't feel like there was yet a sort of, yeah, quite that same identity that the Daily Bread crew and so on brought to it and embodied in something like Mad Beef where you went, yeah. there's an attitude to this and there's a style and a, all that kind of stuff. That was cool. It brought that, that yeah. aggression, that sort of let's yeah. go out and try something because, um, yeah, it was very, um, I don't want to corner pocket it, but Chris Edwards-centric before that because mm. he was just, you know, amazing. Um, but then there was also Video Groove, um, and, you know, Video Groove bought, you know, maybe, you know, the locals can be in these videos as well. Um, so yeah. we started thinking, hey, you know, let's make our own videos. Let's try to do some of these things. Let's get on and, um, and try some of this stuff, but backwards or sideways. And, um, you know, this was the time when we'd go out and, um, and try a new trick every time we went out skating. If we didn't learn a new trick uh, at least once a week, it was a terrible failure. Um, we were going to, to two or three places a week. Uh, we organized to, um, to go down to the, the local tennis club, had um, some old courts that they weren't using anymore. We'd go down there, uh, take some jump ramps and some rails, and just try some stuff onto the, the broken down tennis courts doing uh, jumps up onto the handrails at the side, like, you know, just flat handrails. Yep. Going up doing front sides and back sides because, you know, that was pretty much it at the time. Sole grinds <laughs> were a bit tough because, uh, yeah, other than the, the skateboard rail you had bolted to the side of your boot, there wasn't really any heel. Um, so locking them on was a bit tough. There was a few individuals that could, but, um, yeah, we are learning all these things and just doing it wherever we could because there wasn't any you know, big facilities. You couldn't always get out to vert ramps, which were, you know, the bulk of it. And, um, you know, the odd mini ramp, which is probably why we spent so much time at Bondi Mini, because it was just amazing, so much better than anything else. Yeah. At the time, so who's who's the we at this stage? Are there any, we've mentioned a few people already, haven't we? But um, any other names who are sort of popping up at this stage in the scene, in the Sydney scene? So um, if I start getting into... Uh, 94-ish is, um, is when uh, Josh Pincus was around. Um, we had uh, Joe Jones uh, used yep. to see 
kicking around on his um, his rollerblades. I know he he was a an ex uh, roller skater, quad skater, who got into it and just had some yeah. crazy inverts and uh, McTwists, and it, yeah, he was cool to watch. Um, but yeah, uh, Matt Salerno, Sessa, um, a bunch of other guys. Yeah, yeah. so it was, it was a decent sized crew at this point. Yeah, well, there were several crews. Um, you yep. had the uh, the Burwood Skateboard World had their own little crew. Bondi had a little crew. Uh, Manly Blades had a little crew, and then there was a, a crew in the, in the west. So um, we sort of went around uh, doing different things with different people. Um, you know, I lived uh, in western suburbs of Sydney, so there was a couple of vert ramps uh, that we could go to out there. A uh, couple of friends, Morgan and Adam. Uh, who would go out and sort of skate the vert ramp two or three times a week, usually after school, get out there, uh, just a big metal thing. Um, and, you know, we were doing front flips and back flips and yep. uh, whatever we could think of. Um, but going into that uh, sort of era where we, where we got uh, more media, uh, we were getting definitely recognised. You were seeing rollerblading pop up on the television and um, you had magazines and videos that you could go to um, the skate uh, the skate scene was really exploding this is that time when I think we got more hate than anything else and um, you can see a lot of people feel this way uh, when it comes to your um, your scooters these days uh, is because we were really popping up everywhere um, I know I was sort of at a stage where you know, I was doing, you know, the odd demonstration and all that sort of stuff with and alongside skateboarding and BMX. But um, down at the skate park, you did see lots of little kids rolling around on the bottom by themselves, uh, clearly unsupervised, getting in everybody's way. And some of these uh, larger people, usually skateboarders who'd been skateboarding for a long time, uh, it was clearly frustrating for them. And, you know, we're getting that way uh, now with the you see it with the, the scooters sitting on a ledge yeah. and they put all their stuff and that's fine. You know, we really need to just talk to them. Um, yeah. I mean, I think another level I heard someone talking about it and I guess this is a, a kind of a meta level that you don't realize at the time, but um, you can imagine the, the rollerblader feels the bite now, you know, the older person who's, you know, an adult and isn't aware of where the industry is at going, why are all these kids getting into this stupid sport when our sport's struggling to, you know, survive, you know? Yeah. And so you're kind of feeling that sort of desperation. And I wonder whether there was amongst the old, some of the older skateboarders, maybe there was a little bit of that going on as well, going all these guys are pouring their money into this crappy sport. Um, this you know, I, I, I wonder whether that's going on. Yeah. yeah, yeah you, and I, I knew at the time that we were really, really growing. It was, it was clearly obvious. Um, but, you know, in retrospect, knowing what I do now, skateboarding at the time was going through a bit of a down period. So they were probably, you know, everything's different, but, you know, in somewhat of a mind frame as we are, and um, looking at rollerblading as a you're taking all of our money, um, you're taking our members. Like instead of uh, skateboarders having, you know, hundreds of new skateboarders uh, popping up around town each year, they were rollerbladers instead. And yeah, that's yeah and that hurts when it's your mate whose business has to shut down, or when something great that has done something great for your particular sport, you know, 
gets ground to I mean, that's that's how it feels, doesn't it? You know, or you, your professionals can't be professional, can't make a living out of it. All those sorts of things, I guess. For the you know, if you're the one in decline, you know, that can add an extra degree of bitterness Absolutely. to it. Um, it's always, it's always nice to have a target. Everybody needs that sort of. Absolutely, but you're totally right. We gotta we gotta remember that feeling and and exactly preach that to ourselves now and go. We gotta be we gotta be generous um, to the uh, the scooter uh, in the same way that skateboarders, the best of them, were generous to us and others should have been yeah. to us. Yeah. And look, mm. I don't I don't blame a sport for anything. Um, it's always the individual, and um, yep. there can be groups of them. It can be hard, but um, you know we've got to move on. Um, so, you know, it was, it was kind of tough back then. Yep. Um, and, you know, we weren't big adults as some of these skateboarders were. So, you know, we were being threatened by them and that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, it, it, was, it was tough at points. But, look, we had enough that we could move around. We could go to different places. And um, we always found a spot where, where we were wanted. And, um, yeah, with uh, people like uh, Bill from Manly Blades around... He was always organizing things. We had uh, trips. He would organize a bus trip to Canberra. So um, he would uh, basically hire a bus, charge everyone X dollars. We'd all turn up at 8 o'clock in the morning in, um, or earlier than that, 7 a.m., whatever it was, yep. in Manly. And then by 10, 10.30, we're sitting in Canberra in a, in a <laughs> city park. And, you know, there's just a bus of, you know, 20 or 30 rollerbladers all roll up to a skate park and you had the best day ever. Like, you skated with people who you'd never seen before. First time I met Scott Crawford was in just awesome. such a trip. And, yeah, it was amazing because I'd only ever seen Scott in Daily Bread. And um, it was very cool. Um, yeah, man. But, uh, yeah, that sort of that went on and... Uh, through that sort of era, through 94, coming into 95, it was just this massive explosion of tricks and people inventing things and the evolution of skates. Skates were changing, constantly changing. The types of cuffs we were using, the size of your wheels, the shape of your frames, everything was changing. I was, um, at that point, in uh, rollerblade tarmacs. Um, mm. So we actually had a grind like we could grind. I had, you know, H plates on. I think they came with those uh, H plates that went the length yeah. of the frame. So you could, you actually had uh, like metal between the, the front two sections, the middle and the back. Uh, you'd never use them, but yeah, they came that way. I think they took them <laughs> off after a little while because it was just a little bit much. Um, but, you know, you could do soul grinds. We learned yeah. all the different soul tricks, uh, started jumping on handrails because that's what we're seeing the guys in the States doing. But, you know, yeah. we'd grown up on our bread and butter of vert ramps, so um, we were sticking to that. Um, but then uh, on the radar popped up this Australian titles, uh, 1995 Australian titles, and the prize... Before we get to competitions, yeah. just real quick, sure. I reckon that tour thing is an awesome thing, and um, it's something that's not so much at the stage of life you and I are in, something that's so easy to do. But if we've got any listeners who are in that earlier stage of life, uh, don't have kids yet or don't aren't even sort of, you know, kind of tied down in big ways, I reckon there's something that I reckon in some ways that's a thing that is just a fun thing to do with your life, but I reckon an awesome thing you probably do for raising awareness for the sport as well. Like, if, I don't know, just to throw the dare out there, get together a crew of people and – 
go on a bit of a skating road trip and film it, please. Um, well, look, but it's all, been that, done. But wouldn't that be? Can, oh, it's it's quite easy. You just need a vehicle and to be not too creepy. But um, yeah, you, <laughs> but it wouldn't it be cool to be a bus that, full of people? It can no. be a couple of cars and a road trip. Yeah. We know we did. That but how well. cool would that be if that happened? You know, some more and some of the you know the younger people who are in a position to do that, or older people who want to just go for a bit of a whatever. You know, I mean, it'd be awesome, and and I would have a huge impact, I reckon, on places where there's the scene isn't so big. It would be an awesome pump. I tell you, in Hobart, it would be a massive pump up if you suddenly had a bunch of bladers rock up, yeah. um, and and how much more in some of these you know. Um, towns and cities you know up and down between sydney and melbourne or something like that you know how awesome it would it be to suddenly have a crew turn up and and those that do have a crew that or that cross-pollination that would happen to go oh yeah you know hey that's good to meet you and stuff be awesome eric mm? no, you can good. still do that yeah you can uh it just takes the time and yeah yep. at the moment unfortunately i have precious little but uh, yeah, yeah but yeah just wanted to throw that out time. there that dare out there if anyone does it it would be um they should I should. Yeah. So, yes, the Australian titles. Aussie titles. And this was, yeah. you know, the first of its kind in terms of getting everybody in Australia together uh, for an event. Uh, that was the idea anyway. And um, we were all set to go to it. So, you know, Matt was pretty psyched. Matt Salerno, we were, you know, yep. tight, whatever. Um, skating together. Sessa was pretty psyched about it. We had uh, all of the, the great stool uh, up and coming, we had John Pollard with uh, skating and Tom Fryer going in it, and um, we were excited. And the prize was a trip to the United States to go in the first, first ever X Games. Yeah. So a trip to Rhode Island. And this was just, you know, amazing. It was something that was unheard of. I mean, this was, you know, the evolution of the sport. It was the next step. And... Um, so we went down there, and of course, as you would expect, you know, us being in our little Sydney bubble, uh, the bubble got a lot bigger. We saw this guy on the vert ramp who we'd never seen before doing McTwists about five foot over. I'm like, what is this? Where did this guy come from? And then, of course, he goes to the, um, the street park, and, um, you know, he's doing front side to back side to soul grind down rails and stuff. I'm like... Who is this? And thus met Tim Ward, uh, who just blew everybody's mind. I don't know if um, how well he was known in Melbourne at the time. Clearly, he would have been very well. Yeah. But up until before that, I did not know who he was. And um, to have this sort of amazing talent just pop up was just like, you know, if this is here, what else is here? And, um, you know, there were lots of people around. Um, there were lots of people doing absolutely amazing things. And um, the, as the, the comp went on, we all did our own thing, um, you know, made finals. I was sort of happily skating. I did my little misty flip onto the, the platform and a couple of soul grinds and back grinds. A few airs, you know, all backflips. Had my, my laid out backflip I was pretty stoked with. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I was not going to win that comp, that was for sure. But, uh, you know, Matt won it. And so I'm like, cool. So Matt toddles off to the street, to the States. And, uh, you know, we stay behind, uh, keeping the torch alight for him, doing all our things. And then we hear that he won the X Games. 
And uh, suddenly, um, I mean, we were already part of it. All you have to do is look through the old uh, Daily Bread magazines and you can see that, um, you know, John Pollard and uh, Scott Crawford and Tom Fry were up there, like, filling the pages. But now, you know, we had Matt Solano, who was beating the Americans at something that was supposed to be the American thing. And, um, like, we didn't know. We didn't know where we stood. We'd seen videos and things and assumed that, um, you know, people were better than us. And we were on par in many cases. And um, it was really cool and just made us more, even more pumped. Um, it's, it's great, isn't it? I mean, it's... it's um the world suddenly shrinks in a, in a sort of really special kind of way, doesn't it, when that kind of happens? I, th- I think for me, I, I didn't know Tim or um, Tim Ward or Shane Yost, um, but I did I did see Manuel Belirus go from sort of zero to being in the videos, you know, and that was – it's pretty exciting. It does, does kind of uh, – I don't know, it personalizes everything, doesn't it? Um, yeah, in a really good way. Cool. Look, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, know a lot of the guys uh, individually, some of them quite well. It was, it's funny actually thinking about Shane um, being this, you know, little kid, little scrawny looking thing <laughs> with long blonde hair uh, from Tasmania, turning up to the vert ramp shows and doing, you know, uh, 900s and, and 1080 backflips and no one else could do it. But um, uh, he was he had his own special style and it, it took him a little while to sort of grow into it uh but just became this amazing talent uh but yeah, that, was, that was on a, a different timeline um but on uh back to uh yeah, yeah. what we're going on um matt comes back uh from the states and suddenly opportunities are popping up for myself I have uh, Sessa, who was a, a friend of mine. He was a friend of you know, pretty much anyone who was rollerblading. He was a fantastic person. He still is a fantastic person, doing his own thing, amazing talent. And um, he put a word in with one of his sponsors, who was Roses Australia. Um, so uh, I got a phone call from uh, the distributor, and uh, they asked me to come in. So I, you know went into their office, all very formal. I was shaking in my little rollerblade boots, <laughs> not knowing what was going on. And, um, you know, they sort of welcomed me in there and uh, handed me a little piece of paper. And the little piece of paper says that um, uh, if I'm willing to uh, wear a, a, a Rose's hat and a Rose's T-shirt, um, they'll give me uh, as many skates as I need. Generally, it was two pairs, but as many as I need for uh, whenever that was needed um, for the 12 months. And I was like, oh, why not? I'll do that. Um, so get back out there, and Bill's still running his demos, and I've got people coming up to me after demonstration saying, hi, my name's X from this company. Would you like to? And um, offering me other things. So I have like all these opportunities popping up and um, yeah. there was lots of, lots of flow at that time. Uh, the money wasn't quite there uh, within Australia that I was seeing anyway, but uh, people were offering you things. We were getting free trips here and there. People were offering to drive you to places and, um, and give you product. 
we had uh, Noisy Minority was an Australian uh, company that popped up around about them with Kramer. Remember, Kramer helmets. Uh, yeah. A couple of evolutions of those things. They were amazing helmets. Um, mm. I had Kryptonics uh, put me yeah, up yeah. at the time. Uh, Hardline, um, which was uh, AJ Jackson, one of the, yep. the original rollerbladers uh, way back, Venice Beach, large Action Jackson. black man, yeah, Action Jackson, <laughs> Very, a, a big person, uh, as in tall, but just had a massive personality and just amazing, like, pump. To talk to him was, um, was to live, and um, it was brilliant, and all this sort of started uh, leading up to, to being invited to, to more competitions, having Rosa's paying for me to travel around Australia to, to go in more competitions. And um, especially with now, uh, Matt had his sort of fame. He started going to more stuff overseas, which meant that I had a little bit more opportunity in Australia. So I was doing yep. a bit better in Australia, getting uh, placed in competitions with Cessa and Matt off doing other things. This is in times before Shane Yost. <laughs> so I didn't have to compete with him. So I was uh, winning and um, and getting a lot of those competition wins, uh, which looks good on the resume. Yeah. And um, 1997 ticks around and uh, get a, a call to go back into, um, into the office, into Rosas, and mm, what's going on? Uh, they hand me another piece of paper, and um, this time there's dollar figures on it. I'm like, okay. So um, now we're getting paid monthly in US dollars, um, plus as much gear as we need to do whatever we want to do, um, plus guaranteed at least uh, two international trips. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, I was, what, 16? Uh, sorry, older than that. <laughs> 17, 18-ish. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, being offered all of th these things, and I'm like, okay, well, I better get a passport. So, um, yeah, coming into... Uh, 1997 was my um, my international year. And so let's pause there. That's good. That's good. So, so that's another really nice natural stopping point, I reckon. Sure. So can I ask you a couple of quick questions, and then you can say anything else you need to yeah, go ahead. Need to say. Cool. So uh, number one question. Just uh, let's talk a little quickly about competitions. What are your thoughts on? Uh, I mean, just your personal point of view, but as well as maybe more general point of view. Pros and cons of competitions in you know for action sports for inline skating in particular. What are your thoughts on the pros and cons? I really like competitions. I think competition drives people to do better, drives people to do things that they wouldn't normally try. And a lot of the time, things that are holding you back are in your head. Um, yeah. A lot of the time. It's not every time, and sometimes you probably shouldn't do that. But many of the things that you don't do are because of fear or anxiety or something that's holding you back. And being in that sort of competition format um, and having all those people around you Hopefully, some of them are better than you. Pushing uh, means that people will strive and they'll do better. And um, I really uh, think that competitions uh, can do good things for all sports, not just action sports, but action sports, definitely. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Is, is there any memorable moments where you were like in a competition setting and you decided to go for something that you weren't 100% sure you were going to stick, but you just went, this is the moment, and then you you stuck it? Uh, and then I stuck it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple that I remember that I've gone, I'm not sure I'll land this, and then I didn't. Um, <laughs> that's for a different time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I, no. I was kind of, uh, um, I think what I would say most about those sorts of settings that pushed me was to be with other people, be skating with, um, you know, the likes of Cesar and Matt and skating with Chris Edwards and them doing tricks five, six, seven feet up and then me doing tricks four feet up and then just going, why am I doing it at four feet up? And then actually going for it at, uh, at five and six feet and landing it. That sort of stuff uh, is where yep. competitions, I think, have really pushed me. I know in the past I've been to many competitions where I've been you know, recovering from injuries or currently injured. And um, if it was just a normal day, I probably would have like done a rest day or something. But being a competition you know, slapped on the, the anti-inflammatories, <laughs> took some painkillers, put on some pipe bandages yeah. and just smashed it out and landed some stuff that, um, yeah, has just left me pumped. And at the end of the day, I'm bruised and swollen and even more injured, but super stoked. Mm. Yeah, awesome. Um, and my other question was, when it comes to getting free stuff, um, and all that kind of thing, um, it, it becomes tricky to sort of work out, like, are you rolling with the brands and the products that you really believe in? Do you know what I mean? All that kind of question. Did yeah. you kind of wrestle with that and feel that experience at the time? Because there's a mix of opportunity, um, quality of the product, and then loyalty to people who've been good to you. How, yeah. how, did you, how do you reflect on those things? Now, look, there's, um, there's quite a lot to be said on that sort of stuff. And um, I know I was lucky enough to have uh, lots of brands that were very good uh, and good to me, things that I would have chosen to use uh, regardless. Um, and a couple of them, as I moved on, changed over to other brands that I would have moved on to. Uh, but, yeah, I think um, at the time, uh, I was happy to be receiving anything. Um, you know, yep. I was just a little kid with no money and... Um, you know, people were giving me things and offering me uh, trips to different places. And all I had to do was wear this T-shirt during that demonstration or wear this during that competition or put this sticker on my helmet. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I don't care. Ad Beef Rollerblading Podcast is produced by Mikey Lynch, theme music by Edifice Architect. You can find us on Facebook and SoundCloud or subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. If you have any questions, comments, requests or podcast contributions, please message us on Facebook. To support the podcast, find us on Patreon and pledge a once-off or regular contribution. Even just two bucks a month, every little bit helps. See you later.